Hello and welcome to this uh, podcast around uh, the big wealth transfer sponsored by PSG Wealth. Now, the biggest uh, transfer of wealth is currently underway with UBS research showing that globally over $84 trillion will change hands in the next 20 years. Uh, To put that into perspective, uh, that is more than the size of the U.S. economy. This is not only a U.S. or a developed market phenomenon, but a global one affecting nations around the world, including South Africa. My name is Mbidio Akabaza, writer with the Business Day and Financial Mail, and I'll be your host for what is looking to be a very engaging, informative, and enlightening conversation. And to help us make sense of it, I am joined today by Nadev Desai, who is the head of uh, sales at PSG Wealth, to discuss how those participating in the Great Wealth Transfer or greatest wealth transfer rather can ensure uh, the best possible outcome for their families and what learnings uh, the rest of us can take uh, to ensure that we start building intergenerational wealth. Nadev. Greetings to you today. Hi, Madiba. Thanks for having me on your show. Um, Nadev, uh, you and I have spoken, you know, on a number of different occasions about, you know, a number of different topics. Uh, this one seems especially interesting. And one of the things that someone might be curious about is why is there such a fuss about uh, the intergenerational uh, wealth transfer that is currently underway? And whilst you are, you know, maybe making sense of that for us, maybe you could also just explain um, some of the mechanisms that are going to be used to actually transfer, you know, this wealth. I remember a few years ago when we when we got into the technology boom, for example, some people said that was a huge transfer of wealth because you created all of these huge tech companies and people uh, made money through the stock exchange. So in this particular sense, what are we actually talking about? So, so maybe let's let's look at it from a, a quantum perspective. So, as you mentioned in your opening, you know that's a lot of money, eighty-four trillion rand, that will be moving from one set of hands to the next over the next couple of decades. And yes, it's not only even you know that is larger than the size of the U.S. economy. I think the U.S. economy at the moment is around seventy-five trillion dollars. But if you look at the global economy, the GDP of the global economy is around one hundred and five trillion dollars so so, you know we are actually talking about the size of the global economy just about there they're about going to be transferred transferred from one generation to the next so you can clearly think that this is going to be something that is going to be very relevant from if you think about the economies around the world where we have fiscal strain on 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 economies and governments thinking about how they're going to ensure um, the, the the infrastructure, etc., is 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 sustainable and growing to be able to support the growth that they are looking for in their economies. And so, with this um, transfer of wealth, things like whether you're talking about uh, the UK, etc., inheritance tax, or you're talking about South Africa being estate tax or estate duty, etc., those are going to be 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 aspects of financial leakage that will have a big impact the larger your assets typically are um, from one generation to the next but what is also interesting uh, uh, about it is that um one 
And you get different quantums between one economy and the next. And so, you know, you may think that they, they, that, for instance, estate duty in South Africa is a specific number. Inheritance tax in another area may be a more attractive number. But, you know, you have double taxation agreements, you have all sorts of things that you have to think about. So the world is increasingly becoming complicated. And so the last thing that one needs to think about is that many of us as individuals, we we find it typically quite, um, if, if I can use the word uncouth, to talk about wealth and money. And so many families that, that typically have built up wealth and, and are leaving a legacy for the next generation typically don't want to talk about it with the next generation. And so they don't do that and they don't necessarily have a plan that is well articulated. And, and in the US specifically, dollar millionaires, about 40% of them don't have a financial plan that talks about how they're going to transfer wealth from one generation to the next. And when there is no plan, that's when things go horribly wrong and you have unintended consequences from who's going to be the intended beneficiaries, how are the beneficiaries going to receive that wealth, how are they going to be taxed on it, et cetera, et cetera. So this is a big thing that we're going to be going through over the next couple of years. And you're either going to have a, a good problem uh, to, to deal with, or you're going to have a, a problem with unintended consequences. It really does sound like one of those situations that is... Uh quite complex, right? Because as you said, we live in a society, I, I like the word that you used, uncouth. Um, and it, it, it's, it is a big thing and it's, it seems to be reinforced, um, you know, wherever you go in a lot of uh, different workplaces, for example, people are contractually not allowed to talk about compensation. So, you know, people just talking about money in the home seem to be quite a stretch. And that seems to be something that, you know, is pervasive of, of borders and, you know, different income levels. You'd think that the ones with the money would be having the money conversations, but it doesn't seem, um, you know, to be that way. And in the greater scheme of things, when you do have money, problems like this might be seen by some as a good problem to have, right? Because at least you have something uh, that you can leave for the next generation. So what are some of the risks that actually lie ahead uh, for those that have this good problem? So I think one can probably basket them in two uh, separate categories. One would be the quantitative element, which is, you know, the the kind of things that we spoke about now, you know, what do your your estate and tax planning affairs look like in terms of how you're going to transfer wealth from one generation to the next? What are the returns expectations of the, the cash flows that you will need as you transfer from one generation to the next? So those are pretty much the, the you know, the I'd almost want to say the easier stuff that one can work with, the quantitative, because they are numbers, it's black and white, and you can work with that. But the one that you are actually talking about is 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 what I would, would would bucket into the qualitative aspects. It is your relationship with money, and 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 when I talk about your, I mean the generation that is there today that has possibly built up the wealth, and it may be a very different relationship with money that will be uh, uh, had with those that will be the beneficiaries of that wealth and the legacy that will be left behind. And that disconnect between the the, the 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 relationship with one between one generation to the next or one set of individuals to the next um, can mean that that money and the means to the end of that money because ultimately that's what money is. Um, you know what is its purpose? 
How do I ensure it's sustainable? Do I do I have a similar understanding of what the purpose of this money is? That is the conversation that is is very relevant. And so, so one of the learnings we've seen from families that do pass on wealth from one generation to the next and make it sustainable is that they do have a a a, a conversation around the purpose of money, and it doesn't necessarily have to be about the quantum of money, how much it is, but what it is supposed to do so you know do is is there a a a document that talks to what the legacies are that the the the, the this generation wants to leave behind how is the next generation going to make sure that those those legacies live on as intended um and that is behavior so that is not necessarily having to talk about what income you're making how much money there is um, but it, it more talks to you know how you think about money and money being a means to an end, and and successful families get that right. Um, and it will be good to see how you know people will be able to to get that right even further. Yes, the successful ones, um, you know, the ones that do have the plans in place, you know, will um, ultimately get it right. But there's an expression, you know, that uh, of shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. Is this one true? So it's, Madiwa, that's that's very contentious. So you ask half of uh, the researchers in the world, are they going to go, absolutely, you know, we've seen thousands of families go through it, and, and it's more or less true. Whether the numbers, 70% or 90%, but 90% of, of, of wealthy families go to shirt sleeves, um, in three generations, whether we're talking about the US and more capitalist markets, or we're even talking about more conservative or, or other markets that are not as familiar to, 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 to some of us, like China, etc. Whatever that number is, what we do know is that there are some families that do get it right. So I spoke about 70% or 90%. There are 10% of families that do actually get it right. And so that's the magical number. What do those 10% of families do that they get it right? And just to put that into perspective for you, um, a, a study done by the Family Business Network estimates that that 10% controls 60% of the world's GDP in terms of the business they own, etc. So it does talk to... Uh, intergenerational wealth is critical in order to make sure that you are starting to build immense wealth. Secondly, it is not about the money. It is about how you think about money and what you plan to do with that money. And it is those healthy relationships that get built up as money moves from one generation to the next so that you're not dealing with a mismatch of the purpose of money as you go from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves and risk having that uh, being being the effect of, of a family. So, so, so making sure there is a healthy relationship with money, both at individual level and at family level, as well as at societal level, is going to be critical. And it, you know, people often talk about it is the 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 the, the um, it is the relationships that you keep, the people that you 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 hang out with, that determine how you think about money and what money can do for you. So if you are hanging out with, with individuals who think that a certain amount of money is a lot and, and all that money can be spent because it grows on, a, on, a, on, on, on a, the proverbial money tree, you're going to end up being affected by the shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. If you hang out with people that understand opportunity sets and thinking about how they can create a better world and leaving a legacy through the work that they do on a daily basis, 
that means that society starts naturally getting financial inclusion, uh, businesses start um, contributing to, to their society a bit more, and those those families that 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 managing those businesses just naturally end up with um, wealth coming back to them. So it is very much a, a a a conversation around purpose and what money is supposed to do for you that 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 will enable whether you are on the right side of this, the ten percent or the ninety percent that moves from shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generations. It is such a fascinating um, finding, you know, that research that you that you spoke about there. And I've actually heard um, similar numbers myself because in almost every generation, people are looking to, well, I would imagine that, you know, most people are looking to at least have something that they can pass on uh, to the next generation. And you would at least hope that the next generation is able to maintain and at least grow, you know, even if it's just marginally, but to at least maintain what's there because, um, you know, a lot of the findings do find that within the three generations, like you said, the wealth is just gone, it's just finished. And the ones that do get it right, there's a, there's a lot that's there. I've heard many different terms, waterfall, what, 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 you know, and I'm sure that, you know, um, your team would be able to advise more on an expert level around some of the ways that, um, you know, something like that can be done. But when it comes to some of the phrases that are there, uh, Warren Buffett often and talks about uh, that someone is standing in the shade uh, because someone planted an acorn uh, tree 25 years ago. In your view, what's the role of patience in this uh, in this discussion that we're having? So one, it is patience, and two, it is understanding why you are investing. Um, you know, often we find that investors they don't get the intended outcomes because something else comes along that becomes a bit more attractive. And the intentions of the original investing um, strategy is lost. So, so, so patience and understanding purpose is very important. So patience is important. And, and, and the reason why patience is important is because the hardest thing to do is to start. And so the, the, the time when you need the most patience is actually when you're starting out your investment journey. So to give you an example, um, I, I think it was uh, at Warren Ingram. I, I, I saw a, a, a snippet of, of, of a recent book that he published, uh, one of the financial advisors, respected financial advisors in South Africa. And he talks about how to make that first million rand, how hard it is. So to put a million rand and a half to seven, so getting a, a, an income, so we're going to save our money from our paycheck to paycheck. So if you save 5,000 rand a month, and you get 13% growth on that, it's going to take you just uh, approximately nine years to make your first million rand. So for many people that will go, oh, that's doable. You know, I can get to a million. Yeah, I'm going to do that for nine years. And, and you need to get 13% return. So now the hardest thing has actually been done because what happens now is to make your second million after that at a 13% return means that you're going to make your second million in five and a half years. And the million thereafter is going to take 3.4 years. So can you see how, you know, the value of compounding means that actually the hardest thing to do is build a habit, commit with a purpose, and then actually, you know, you get the snowball effect happening. But it is about maybe making sure you understand the purpose because if one now gets that first million and you've gone, okay, I've now 
done the hard work and you now go spend that million, you have to start from scratch. So now it is a thing about I'm trying to think about what it is I want my money to do for me. Do I want to now spend all of this money? Do I want to make sure I have sustainable growth out of this portfolio? Um, am I going to live off the dividends out of an equities type of portfolio? Those will have fundamental changes of whether that compounding that I was talking about, that nine years, that becomes five and a half years for your next million or 3.4 years for the next million actually happens or whether you're starting from scratch. So Warren Buffett, very wise man and knows how to break things down into very simple terms for, for, for people like me. Um, so when it comes to that conversation about, you know, the patience and the purpose, it's a very interesting one because I think it talks to, you know, from a behavioral economy, economics point of view, it talks to the fact that a lot of the time as human beings, our motivations really need something solid that is underpinning them or else, you know, you might want to have the money, but you might not want to necessarily do the things uh, that it takes to get, to, uh, you know, to the money. So I guess having that uh, that purpose behind whatever action you're about to take then helps you to justify what you're doing there. From a PSG point of view, then, I think this will be a good place for us to round off for today, you know, Dev, is we look at the likes of PSG. You guys are fund managers, and you guys are the ones that we entrust uh, when it comes to, you know, keeping uh, keeping growing and maintaining um you know wealth and i think when it comes to today's conversation it then helps to end off by asking how has psg thought of supporting south africans in their journey of building that intergenerational wealth thanks madira so the one thing that we articulate very clearly to our clients is that we spoke about how important purpose is we want to make sure that there is a, a coordination to buy into what a purpose of a financial plan is and for us one of the ways you can measure a plan a financial plan is the series of cash flows that you will need at specific uh, terminal points within your financial plan so what that does is it puts those benchmarks in place in a client's mind as well as the financial planner as well as all the investment strategies that are going to be needed that need to be aligned in order for those cash flows to be met and then you do get the appropriate luxury of time depending on whether the cash flows are long term or short term and when you do that you can have the compound effect an amazing compound effect of that first million, second million, third million that, that compound so easily. So we spend a lot of time understanding cash flow management. The second thing that we, we, we've done more recently is we understand that holistic financial planning is critical. Trying to have a conversation for with one investment objective and not understanding the, the how that interplays with the other investment objectives that you may have means that you've not coordinated and that you lose purpose of a single investment objective. So being able to understand a holistic financial plan is, is very important. Thirdly, sometimes, and increasingly so, we are seeing families um, working together to support intergenerational wealth. So interestingly, we know that starting off is, as we mentioned, a very hard um, um, and journey to, to embark on. 
And so we often find in the industry that those starting off in their in their careers and starting to build a financial plan and wanting to be independent, making it on their own, they find that, for instance, the 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 the, the costs in, involved in getting into a good financial plan, the investment products that you typically find out there from an administrative perspective becomes quite prohibitive. And what we've done in the last year is we've looked at aggregating assets at family levels for uh, families. So if one generation does have sufficient wealth, another, the newer generation that's coming along, that's starting out on the investment journey, and wants to build independence can do so on the, the 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 assets that the previous generation has already built up on and that does mean that the next generation has an easier ride but it doesn't only mean that 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 uh you know it's it's for the wealthy it means that it, we, when we start thinking about families families need to think about how they 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 they, they work together for holistic financial planning as you know nuclear families is 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 not the standard in south africa it's not two uh, parents and 2.2 children it is a little bit more complicated than that so we want to support holistic financial planning for the kind of structures that families have within South Africa, thinking about um, whether their assets are within the individual names or within uh, uh, complex structures such as trusts and other entities, et cetera. We uh, allow for financial um, aggregation, a family aggregation pricing on all those assets so that it becomes one less burden, the thing that you have to worry about when you are walking this, this financial journey to get to financial planning for both families as well as the individuals within families. Mm. So that's where we end off. It has been a very insightful discussion for today, um, you know, with Nadev just giving us some insight into um, the aspect of uh, intergenerational wealth because uh, we are sitting on the precipice of a 20-year um, transfer of uh, wealth. They say that, uh, you know, it is the biggest uh, wealth transfer and it's currently underway. A process, obviously, that's not going to happen in one day. It's expected to happen happen in around uh, 20 years over the coming 20 years and um, what Nadervi is explaining is that it's very important uh, you know to make sure that if you are part of that generation uh, that uh, has built up this wealth and wants to pass it on to the to the next generation that you do have an effective plan in place uh, to make that happen and then at the same time you know if you haven't quite reached uh, that level yet you know it's never too late you can and uh, start now. He talks about the patience and the purpose, uh, the fact that uh, you do need to just start. Uh, the hardest part of any wealth journey is uh, the actual beginnings of it and actually maintaining, um, you know, those habits that get you to, uh, you know, that uh, savings and wealth creation point of view. And then from there, it's then, you know, having those necessary conversations with the current generation, you know, around how do they maintain wealth, how do they grow wealth, and, you know, how do they then subsequently pass that on, you know, to the gen to the next generation, so that uh, we can go about breaking the three generation, um, you know, cycle that's uh, you, that we're talking about, and that's you know, effectively for you know the top part of. Uh, 
the financial structure that we have for everyone else the, the levels at which wealth is disappearing is at a much shorter rate you know so it becomes even more pertinent uh, for us uh, to be having you know some of these uh, some of these gener- uh, some of these generational wealth discussions and actually making sure that effective plans are in place and speaking of plans i think that's where you know he ended off quite well um, talking about the fact that um, whatever your circumstances are you need to have a plan that is tailored uh, to your specific um, circumstances because um, you know not everyone has the same family structure not everyone has the same levels of wealth not everyone has uh, you know the same purpose in mind you really do need to holistically understand why it is that you're investing and how it is that you're going to be investing so that's where we end off uh, that was us we're in conversation with Nadev Desai who is uh, the head of sales over at PSG Wealth. Nadev, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on your show again, Mudira. Greatly appreciate it. So that brings us to the end of uh, this podcast around uh, the big wealth transfer that is sponsored by PSG Wealth. I've been your host, Mudiwa Gavaza, of the Business Day and Financial Mail. Remember that you can subscribe for free episodes on iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, podcasts, or wherever you choose to get your podcasts.